0: Get a new one if if we can get some more funding for this or the this sponsors want to pick up a new podcast.
1: We're coming <laughs> for the top uh, top running podcast in Canada.
0: We'll start regionally in Kitsilano neighborhood and then we'll expand from there. All right, folks, here we are, season three, episode one of the Rob Watson podcast. But this year we're taking we're taking a we're going to rebrand. We're rebranding as the Luke Boucher. Saga, the Luke Bruchet story. What do you? What would you like to identify the podcast as? The saga. Yeah, I like that. Sound. It sounds. Uh, epic? More. Yeah, more epic. All right. Yeah, because I said I told I told Genevieve that we we're gonna do the Luke Bruchet story, and she's like, that sounds weird. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it, that would be like uh, something you'd find on like
1: the home network or something on TV, like the Luke Bruchet story, and dive deep into his
0: yeah maybe if you get cancer or something yeah. it can be the Le Crochet <laughs> story but right now it's the saga all right cool so now that we have that covered let's explain kind of what we're doing why we're doing this and um i mean it's been a while since i put it a podcast so it's gonna be, i'm gonna be a little rusty here um and you're yeah. just you're just getting into it so i reckon you'll be, i mean you've you've been on the, this podcast before and you've always done a good job yeah i feel like we've done a fair amount of podcasts together and i've like they always they're always
1: fun at least for me. Yeah. I feel like people enjoy them. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think you know, trying something a little different this time. Let's see uh you know, hopefully we can kind of create something cool.
0: Yeah. So I guess the, the um I shouldn't say um as much. I noticed that I say um too much. So the this the gist of this is that 2020 is coming up. It's the Olympics. We're going to Tokyo. You're right in the meat of things, right? uh you're getting you're coming off a good cross-country season your track season one is it wasn't as awesome as you wanted it to be but that's fine because you can ramp that in take that into 2020 as we build towards the olympics so we're just going to kind of follow you as you go through the journey i know you're in vancouver right now you're heading down to flagstaff soon soon so just kind of get an inside look on an athlete as they chase their dreams of going to the olympics you've already been to the olympics so yeah. you're being kind of greedy here well I think it's like 2016 for me happened
1: so fast like I feel like it was really only maybe the final few months leading into the Olympics in Rio where everything came together for me and I think uh for a lot of people they don't really understand what it's like for for us living it chasing it and uh how I mean how cool and how unique it actually is, and and uh, on top of that, it can be super stressful. Uh, it can be tough. It can be lonely, but at the same time, it can be you know fun as hell. So you know, I think that with this podcast, we'll be able to share a bit more of that.
0: Yeah, hopefully, we'll go, we'll go through the ups and the downs. We did the similar thing in uh, season one as I was chasing the Olympics, and uh, as we all know, the ending of that one did not. It was not the Rob Watson story. It was it was a bit of a letdown. But anyways. Uh, let's talk about your first experience, your first foray. Because it did in in 2016 when you made the Olympics. I mean, when did you kind of have your breakthrough? I would say it, wasn't around, it was not around 2014, 2015. I remember it was an indoor season and things just kind of all came together for you. Because I remember going down to watch you in Seattle and you won that mile against like the Bowerman guys, yeah, beating like yeah. Evan Yeager and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, who's this Luke Brachet? And you had a really <laughs> good year that year. Wait, when was that? I
1: think it was it was
0: 2014. Okay. Uh, it just kind of like all steamrolled. Like I won.
1: That was the first time I won Canadian Cross Country Nationals in the. It's like Jericho, November 2013. I won that, and then it just kind of like started from there. Uh, came into the indoor season, uh, just like all guns blazing. I broke eight minutes for the first time, and then I uh, lined up against uh, Evan Jagger and a couple other Bowerman guys and and Alan Webb can say i'm one and zero against him wait a second like alan webb was in that race it was in the twilight of his career so i can't say that i uh you know scalped alan webb in the prime of his career but very few people did yeah it was it just kind of like started from there and then i ripped a really good 5k that outdoor season and and i guess that was kind of where i kind of had the realization like okay maybe you know i've been talking all this uh talking the talk so to speak and thinking I, you know, could go to the Olympics, but I think until you really start to produce times that are, you know, within uh, earshot of the Olympic standards, you actually start to believe it, and I think uh, that first kind of spring summer of 2014 was when I started to, you know what, maybe, maybe I can make this happen, maybe it's not just, uh, it's all, maybe it's not, you know, just words.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're you're starting to believe, right? A lot of you see a lot of people like on like their Twitter, Instagram, like aspiring Olympian, and then you see what they've done. You're like, okay, this guy's full of shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was. It's funny. Like I remember, like, I mean, for for the longest time,
1: I think I, everything I I ever wanted to do was be a professional athlete. And sure, when you're younger, it's hockey or basketball. And then you know, as you get better at running, it became running. And I think after then, I started to believe it. I think my you know my dad he still calls me every other week he's like when are you gonna get a you know a job but <laughs> I think there was he started maybe glimpse it around then and then uh yeah the, the next two years things started to come together even more and it was uh got to the Olympics in 2016.
0: Yeah so I guess you go to the Olympics your parents can be like oh okay it's kid." <laughs> did your parents go down the Olympics with you? Did they, yeah. did they go down to the Rio? Yeah like like I said it was
1: uh it was super last minute. Like I. I ran the Olympic standard in June of 2016. Yeah. Okay. So I think even at that point, they were like teeter tottering. Like at that point, I mean, it's a month away from the Olympics. Like it's not like you're gonna go on air- here. <laughs> it's not like you're going on Airbnb and you're like, all right, we, yeah, you know, we can yeah. choose everything. And so I went to the Olympic trials and uh, secured my spot. And I think, uh, I mean, they were ecstatic. Um, but at the same time, I think they were like. You know, shitting breaks a little bit because they were like, "Okay, well, fuck, we gotta go now." Like, we gotta. <laughs> yeah, they we had came... to, bu- so they had to book an Airbnb. They had to, like, my brother came as well. Oh my god! My that must... yeah, my dad's company we were like, you know what? Screw it, we'll send you. They paid for all the flights. Oh,
0: okay, that's huge because I imagine that would have been a really expensive last-minute Rio Olympic yeah, trip. Yeah, they had a bit of a
1: milk run getting there and back. Like, I think it was, you know, like <laughs> Vancouver, New York, Dallas sao paulo like they saw it all on the way down and the way back but
0: uh yeah for them it was super exciting they they uh they made the trip oh man rio because rio is friggin' far away like i went there on my honeymoon and it takes it we went vancouver houston houston rio that's as fast that's as direct and it still took us like 25 26 hours yeah how did you go when you went with the team so i had flown to toronto and had done like a little prep camp there doing, with a, doing your press getting getting your social media training what you can exactly, act, what you can yeah. hashtag and not I double F like or IOC is like you cannot hashtag anything. That was uh yeah.
1: That was a that was a funny little thing with that, that Olympics and the social media. But we did like a little kinda heat heat camp there in Guelph. And so I did the flight there and it was like ten days and then we flew down to Rio from Toronto and but it was still like almost eleven hours and you're just you're same time zone. You're just literally flying to the bottom of the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a shitty flight, but it is weird because you are in the same time zone. Uh and what was uh the village? The village was kind of like further away from Rio proper, right? Cuz that city's just absurd. So it's like where do you put in a friggin' yeah. Olympic village? Yeah, we were kind of like
1: oh I don't know. I mean, everything felt like it took forever when you tried to take a train or a bus or Uber, which we had some wild Uber experiences there.
0: I can only imagine.
1: But uh yeah, it was like a, a hour or so away. Um I mean it was kind of it's kind of crazy because i don't know there's ten thousand athletes in the village and uh you know all the best athletes in the world coaches yeah you know the mess hall where you're eating is it's like a walmart it's massive
0: yeah but
1: at the same time like i think you know rio caught a lot of flack and there were certain things that they didn't do well and i think the olympic village was one of those things just the fact that it was far away Mm. but the showers didn't really work like they were flooding (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a funny concept. Like you're this, you know, you see guys like NBA players. Like I saw, you know, a bunch of guys that play in the NBA on team Australia and yeah. France and stuff. And it's really funny. Cause you're with these guys that are making multi millions every year and you're staying like, it's super Spartan. Like you have this like funny looking little single bed. And if you're over six, five, they give you like a little add on and it's pretty Spartan and pretty minimal uh, but I think that's what makes it unique—is that like you're there with with everybody else and and kind of taking it in and know that you're there to compete and I guess you don't really need all the extras. Yeah. The one thing I would say for sure, I think it's one of the only places I've really felt extremely short. Like you're just walking around and volleyball players, rowers, basketball players. Like you're just kind of like walk and the women too. Like they're all just
0: it's just, it's just the best athletes in the yeah. world, right? It's just these friggin tanks and distance runners i mean <laughs> you should have gone and hung out with like the uh, gymnastics people yeah, or that's the thing like you see the this the extremes of it like you
1: see you know the seven foot tall basketball player but then you see the the little gymnasts that are like four foot eight and it's...
0: i love it i love it when they do like the body issues in those like sports magazines you ever seen those yeah Where they'll take athletes and just show how different athletes have different builds what's the do you see any fencers what's the build of a fencer yeah not long arms would be good yeah I would L- think little so. torso for a little area to but
1: then there's like some some sports you see and you're kind of like like sailing so they don't it's always... just a
0: bunch of old rich white guys <laughs> they don't exactly <laughs> look like athletes like it's like. it's uh
1: there's such a mix of body types but i guess to be uh, an expert in you know certain sports you don't necessarily need to be you know sh- super shredded or yeah
0: true i guess yeah each sport kind of has their their specifics on what's gonna help and yeah like you said you weren't built to be a professional hockey player so (laughs) good thing good thing you got the engine to be do the running so if you could say like what is one thing one take like what was like the defining memory you have coming back from rio um in in a positive way and also you know i know like yeah what what what's driving you to get back there I think the,
1: uh, I mean, I was fortunate. I got to take in a lot of the track and field. And I think, uh, I mean, stepping on the track for my race was pretty amazing. Uh, And that feeling and uh, sense of excitement, that nervous excitement, that was, you know, that's a pretty unique experience that we don't often get to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the uh, one thing that really driving me is like, I was there on the final night when they had the 5K final, they had the 1500 meter final. You know, the the final night of track is just a bunch of finals, and just like seeing the stadium packed at night with the lights on, the crowds buzzing, like being able to take that in. But from the athlete standpoint, as instead of being a spectator, I yeah, think that yeah, it's, for sure. Uh, I remember somebody prior to my race saying that like, you know, regardless of how the race finishes when you finish the race, like, try and take in as much as you yeah. can, stand on the track, look around, see what it's like, and, uh, to be honest, they didn't really do a great job in Rio with, uh, getting the crowds out, and I think that, I mean, you have a country like that that's, like, very divided in terms of, like, financial situations, and, uh, there was a. I mean, there was a fair amount of tourists there visiting. My, my It was really cool for mm-hmm. my parents because mm-hmm. they were supposed to be up in the, the yeah, nosebleeds yeah. and they were able to come all the way down to the first row. And I mean, the men's steeplechase D- final was after my heat that morning, but there was like nobody in the stands. Yeah. And I think just seeing the difference between that and then the final of the 5K and a, like the night stuff is just... Oh, those night sessions go off.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think that is one of those things that's really driving me is that, you know, that sense of excitement, that sense of, uh, that energy. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things too, that you realize, uh, you always want to be better than you were before. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, I went in, I think there was 52 guys in the 5k field in 2016. I think I was ranked 50th. <laughs> so I'm like one of the guys that's squeaking in. Yeah. Yeah. I think I fin. you know, I improved my rank. I think I finished, uh, you know, like mid thirties, but I think it's one of those things like you want to go back and you want to, you know, you want to improve, you want to make the final, you want to see how, yeah. and I think that's definitely been a big motivation in training.
0: Yeah. And I do, I mean, I don't think, I don't think Tokyo is going to have a hard time filling up the stands for sure. It seems like stuff's going well. They're selling lots of tickets. Yeah. So they're going to be ready for y'all to come. Uh, let's talk about a little bit now about, you know, that was four years ago. We're sitting here 2019. We're a week away from 2020. Uh, you're coming off a good cross country season. So what's the plan? What's the plan for the next six, seven months of your life to get you ready to get back on that starting line at the Olympics? Just to go all in and and do everything I can. Um, I think the last...
1: You know, last year and a half, I've had some tough luck with injuries. We uh, played around with the steeplechase a little bit. That did not go well. Did not go well. If there's anybody that wants to uh, YouTube worst water pit in the history of the world, I'm the guy that comes up. We... (laughs) It made sense when we thought about it. Talked with Coach Rich, and I mean, talked to you, talked to Chris. Like, there's a good resource of Steeple Chasers in the Vancouver area, and I, I mean, shit, I've run seven forty six for three k. We figured that, we figured that. <laughs> and with- you're an athletic guy.
0: You're you're an athletic guy. The thing about the Steeple Chase, is you have to be a good athlete. And I, I I thought you were gonna do much better than you did. And you know where I think,
1: like I was so diligent. I practiced the hurdles so much. The only thing I didn't practice was the water pit. And I think, you know, (laughs) you can try and teach yourself things on YouTube or, like, watch videos of how, uh, you know, other chasers do it. But I think the actual application and the actual just process of going out to the water pit or doing it on, you know, setting up the barrier and doing it on the grass and just doing that probably would have made a huge difference. 100%. I think, like, I had only done, like, I did a couple in like a couple, the couple weeks before I did it when I was at a training camp and then the day before the race, I'm kind of like, oh, I guess I should pra- like try this once. And I think I kind of had this in my mind that I was like this super athlete where I was like, I'm It'll smart, i diligent, it. I can figure it out. Like the first one's going to be shit, but after that, I'll be fine. And it just got progressively worse. <laughs> and I just remember a uh, training partner of mine, Justin Kent, was in the race. And... Like I was landing so deep in the water and I'm like stumbling out like a drunk person. Like the third time I'm like kind of bumping into other people. He just turns to me. He's like, dude, you have to figure this out. Like this is brutal. (laughs) In the middle of the race. In the middle of the race. Like (laughs) It was like, to me, it was like a fart. Like because I was probably the best hurdler on the flat hurdles, but the water pit was just so brutal. And like, it kind of sucks because it's like an ego thing where you're like, I fit, I'd literally failed at this. And yeah, like part of me is you know people were asking me after all are you done with the steeple chase and i'm like mm-hmm. in my mind i am in my coach's head i am but really i'm like you know i i don't want to <laughs> say it because it
0: was such a bad fail that i'm done with it but for now for you're, now you can put it on the back burner
1: but yeah those water pits were so brutal that i came away with a stress fracture like <laughs> a week later like they were like i was probably just smacking right on the heel yeah in every- those spikes yeah, so, so that kind of yeah, twenty eight that kind of tossed the
0: twenty eighteen track season out the yeah. Out so the it, it broke your it broke your mentally and it broke you physically. So steeple, I mean, as an ex steeple chaser myself, I always I always get a slight bit of pleasure seeing people <laughs> who are just like I'm just gonna do the steeple chase and then they go and they fail and I'm like yeah, it's not that easy. But it's even like watching those videos on YouTube, right? Because you're watching the best people do it. So you're just like, oh, they make it look so easy. Like, how hard could it be? But you got to go look at, like, people who suck at the steeple chase. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And put a little bit of fear in you. But, yeah. But it, it does. Because in your head, the water pit is, like, a big extended step until you get in a race. Until you don't have a clear picture. You you know, the hardest part is hurdling with other people, right? And, and not having a clear, straight line and having to adjust. Yeah, well maybe maybe in 2024 you'll you'll pull a mil and come back and still out there it. yeah uh and then last year a 2019 season uh you were you also yeah you had some more injury problems early in the season yeah i think so when i came back from
1: the uh the stress fracture in my heel uh i mean the like i came back training went really well i won cross nationals again but I had kind of been developing some like plantar fasciitis and I don't know if that was like from a habit that developed from like coming back into running from the, the heel stress fracture. Uh and it was like fairly manageable for a while and then just last winter it just kinda of got out of control and I you know, I feel like most runners are very hard headed. Like we you know, it's really hard for us to, you know, take some time off and um Yes. Training was going really well, like the you know the fitness was really coming around but at the same time like hobbling through cool downs and stuff like that and i think i just forced me to run on the outside of my foot a little bit stress reaction in my fourth metatarsal and that kind of uh you know i was supposed to be going to world cross and doing all this fun stuff through the early spring and winter last year and that kind of uh you know made me toss those plans went right out the window as well uh, but I managed to you know come back and yeah. get in decent fitness for the uh, outdoor track season and I think I actually got to a point where I was in really good shape uh, I ran my second fastest 3k in like 30 degree winds in Ireland and then had another race lined up in Ireland and it was like same thing like 25k wins pissing rain yeah and it was still my fastest 5k of the year where'd you go there? I went 13.30 on the nose but it was that's like that's a good run yeah Pat Tiernan won the race in 1328. For those of you who don't know Pat, he's an Australian guy. He's won 2730 in like 1312. And he is, all, like, this guy is a legend. Like, he could go to the front of a race. Like, he, he does, I feel like he doesn't even need a pace setter. He could just go in time trial. Like, he basically just did that the other day, 2730. <laughs> but, you know, he kept it honest. There was a couple... Did he just set the, the Australian record? No, he was second. But so oh. he, he towed the race oh, okay. for five and a half K and then just got out kicked in the last lap. But like, that's pretty impressive yeah. to just be the guy that's at the front for five and a half K at that pace. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but he, and there was a couple of European mm-hmm. guys that had run mid thirteen twenties, and we were all kind of gunning for the world standard and mm-hmm. the weather was just it's Ireland. Yeah. That's what I was like, thinking. Like they have all these great races, but they need a big stadium or something. Cause right at this point it's like, don't go to Ireland to run fast, go there to drink Guinness and, the meets are awesome, and they're so much fun, and they love track and field. But yeah. wind, it's always windy there.
0: Yeah, you need the weather. Come to Vancouver because you had you had a good run at the Pacific Distance Carnival here in Vancouver. That was a strong ten k to start, start your season. Yeah. Um. So we'll have to get a five k going here in Vancouver or something because the Pacific Distance Carnival is coming back on May thirty first, I believe. Um, yeah. Do you have like? So obviously you're going to be going for the 5k this year. Is it going to be the 5k? You're thinking you think know in 10k? I feel like like a the God. 5k field is I mean the 10 I mean all the fields are good because you got to be the best of the best in your country to make the Olympics, right? So it's not like you can pick an easy event. But you know, where do you where do you go in between the 5 and the 10? I think that like I haven't really
1: ran a hard 10k since 2015 cuz you're
0: cross country strong yeah. like you yeah. you you have that engine right you have the mud truck yeah. you know well, I think it's
1: one of those things like you get a good night with a with a good field and some solid pacers i think that uh, somewhere under 28 minutes is completely realistic yeah and... no, you
0: go down to stanford i yeah. remember when i was running you just everyone would just go to stanford and run and like you'd have people you never even heard of running like 2740 <laughs> <laughs> like what? i think that's the that's the plan though is to to try and fit in uh
1: at least one 10k this year where i really like really go for it and see what i can do because i feel like it's I'm at a point now where like you said i'm a great cross-country runner and the engine is definitely there and i think that being so good at running hard 10k cross-country mm-hmm. is pretty indicative mm-hmm. of being able to maybe pro- you know probably run a good 10k on the track so uh i i think the five you know the 5k has been a focus the last few years but i think yeah, at the end of the day to be a good 5k runner you need to be a good 10k runner too you
0: gotta have that strength so
1: i think yeah. we'll give it a shot and i think that depending on the result we'll, may open some some doors but we'll we'll have to see
0: well let's break down the fields a little bit let's see, break down your competition um i think in canada i think we'd both agree that mo ahmed is i mean he's the third best 5k runner in the world <laughs> based on the world yeah. championships right i mean he's so, i feel like mo's he's kind of untouchable
1: yeah in, in uh I mean, I always tell him like he comes up here every once in a while. He'll stay with me when he visits our uh, our physio, and I still hold a faster 1500 PB than him, which I like. To, <laughs> I like to remind him because it's uh, it's the one thing that I'm still quicker at. But I'm sure he'll be faster eventually. But I feel like he is kind of untouchable in that regard. What's I mean, your 1500 PB? 339. That's good. Under 340. What's his? 340, I think, or 341. Scrub. yeah (laughs) but i mean yeah he's some of those races like they probably close under four minutes for the last 1600 meters which is pretty nuts so i'm sure when he's fit and flying he can probably run somewhere under 340
0: his his the 5k the 5k final at doha was my race of the year i think just watching that race it was my favorite race of 2019 how he just raced it yeah, I thought he got his ass dropped you know I thought he went too early he was at the front there, kind of forced to go to the front and he still he ran so, I, I've never seen anyone dig that deep yeah I think that just kind of goes to show his,
1: his mental strength because I think a lot of people when that would happen they would just be defeated yeah and I just remember like
0: I think I was he double kicked <laughs> people don't double kick in a 5k I just
1: remember I was at the gym I think and I'm like sitting there watching it in the lobby like screaming like go mo go mo <laughs> and yeah it was I just remember like a the next few workouts after that just like i had that image in my head of like battling the last 100 or 200 meters and yeah it was
0: wild he's been he's been i mean he's his progression he's been a fiend on the whole time right but to on to, to, to do what he's done down there with the bowerman group has been incredible so obviously mo is the favorite and then um you know justin knight's pretty damn good uh he represented at world championships what's his pb Think he ran thirteen oh nine. He ran thirteen oh nine in the same race that Mo broke thirteen minutes in Rome. I think. Bloody yeah. hell! I thought he was like thirteen sixteen.
1: Yeah, he thirteen
0: oh nine. Yeah. Good job, Justin.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean, he's just the way he's been running, and uh, he—I would say he's probably close to being untouchable as well. He's and a I, talented, he's talented, very talented guy,
0: and obviously, Coach Fox has done a really good job in developing his you know his progression because i know he came out as a super low mileage guy just raw talent and he's obviously hard working and tough but at the same time he's just the 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 way he's progressed has been very it's been really nice to see obviously having a talent like that so yes 1309 wow so those those two dudes are those two dudes are going to be you know yeah
1: i mean they're the two guys with the olympic standard right now so they're i mean they're the two ones that are only uh Fast yeah. enough, essentially yeah. going yeah. on the the standard. I mean, you can still qualify through ranking. I think. I I don't want to say anything negative about Justin because I really like the guy, but I I've watched some of his races and I think he still has some uh, like tactical intelligence to kind of learn and adjust. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's just being young and yeah, yeah. When you're at the top of the NCAA, you can just get away with with kicking a lot, and you can I think just get that,
0: away with just being better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Having, and I think
1: having a buffer for being better. Yeah. As the races get more competitive, you have to kind of be a little bit more uh, aware of you know, yeah. how the race evolves and what's happening. And and he might. Uh, it's also different in a, in like the the tactical races at uh, Canadian championships events. They can, you know, if they're going really slow, it leaves a lot more people open. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. if you get into a thirteen ten race, he's probably just going to, you know, drop everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean tactics, race tactics, are something like it's a combination of some people just have it like ingrained and they just have a sense a racing sense other people it's challenging um, yeah, like I love watching Matt its waist because that guy always just finds himself in, in the proper position to race to race really hard and then you have that Ing- Ingbrickson Jacob the young the young Norwegian kid I hate watching him race his bully, tactics yeah. his tactics are awful and he always just tries to bully himself around he's flailing arms and legs but he's also super young and super talented yeah. I wonder if
1: that's just a thing of being exposed to to more races is something you kind of adjust and learn too and i think the Inga britons having had a couple of dqs over the last few years they probably learned that they can't just push through on the inside and meatheads and <laughs> racing around they're so annoying but like it just happens that they're like well over you know they're 6263 that they also look way bigger than yeah it makes yeah. them look
0: a little bit a uh, couple vikings out there yeah just throwing bows uh, so those two guys are kind of. We'll put those in the top tier. Uh, I mean, you have an Olympics under your belt. Who are like who else is on the scene from the Canadian men?
1: I guess Ben Flanagan.
0: Flanagan's uh, legit. Yeah.
1: I mean, these.
0: He's got to be going 10k though, right?
1: You know what? I don't know. Like I think it depends what their coaches are thinking with the with the world ranking and the the standards are super fast. And I think.
0: What are you? 13.22 is it? 24. 13.24. Okay, cool. I should do some research. <laughs>
1: But yeah, like I like I think I'm fortunate because I'm probably one step ahead of these guys in terms of like having some solid times, having been there. Like I probably have maybe the ability to get in some races that they won't, uh, unless they rip it up indoors or something that they won't get the chance to run. But yeah, I think you know Mike Tate, he just won Canadian Cross Country Nationals. He's looking strong. I mean, he's run mid thirteen thirties like. I guess all it takes is a breakthrough for one of these guys to be up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not unrealistic to think, you know, any of those guys, Rory, uh, Ben, Mike, can't make a big jump like
0: that. What about CPT? Is he gonna stick to the 15? He just dropped a three, 1330 indoors. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, am I am uh, I making you nervous? No. I think, <laughs>
1: I think he's. Uh, I think he lo- like he really loves the 1500. Yeah. I think he has this like love affair with it being the the sexy event in track and field. Um, I think he feels that he has some unfinished business, uh, with the 1500. But at the same time, I know he's been you know he's dealt with some pretty serious injury problems over the last few years, and I think that the the 5K training could be a little bit. Uh,
0: Easier on his body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I that, think that guy just like rips like 50 meter sprints and shit. In fact, <laughs> he'll come up to Guelph, he's like, "What are you doing?" today? He's like, "I'm gonna do some 50s." You're like, "What?" <laughs> All right. Those crazy French people <laughs> doing some suicide sprints. Yeah, I mean, you, even him. Like,
1: I th- ultimately, I think that he'll end up in the 1500 if he stays healthy. And but but it's the same thing. Like, there's a lot of guys gunning for the 5K, and I think that uh, you know having Mo and Justin there, it's just you know, putting the pressure on us to to kind of, you know, the standard's been raised. Mm-hmm. The bar's up there mm-hmm. now. And, you know, running 1324 a few years ago was great because there was only one or two other guys doing it. But I think there's a bunch of guys capable of it now and it, it will make it uh, really exciting this outdoor season to see what happens. Yeah,
0: I, lo- I love that Canada actually has the depth. Um, the Canadian distance men and obviously the women are destroying things also. Uh, so it's nice to have that because I, I remember one, I think in 2000. I think in 2009 I ran 1340 and I think I was like the top ranked Canadian that year or something stupid like that. We were so bad. So it's nice yeah. that Canadians are yeah are upping like, upping the game.
1: I feel like Cam was our catalyst around like, yeah, 2012 yeah. or 2013 when he had that breakthrough. And like since then it's just kind of, there's more guys breaking 14 minutes every year. There's more guys breaking 1345. It's just kind of like, you know, progressed from there to the point now where you know the top, Few guys in the country are running, you know, third, under 1310. There's a couple guys now which we've never had that before, and then there's a you know, everybody else is trying to chase it down and run under the
0: yeah, because yeah, camp bringing those records down. and then friggin' Mo doing what Mo, Mo's <laughs> done, he's he's next level. Uh, I mean, yeah, cool sat ran 1320 low, which always blows my mind watching that guy run because he just doesn't look fast, but so yeah, it's nice to have that depth. Um, so What's the plan this indoor season? Yeah,
1: gonna like I think we kind of touched on already. I'll head back down to Flagstaff Mm -hmm. uh, early January. I'm actually linking up with CPT for a camp.
0: You guys are gonna have an army down there. We are gonna have a big
1: group um, with uh, some of the BC Endurance Project Marathon guys coming down. But
0: uh, shout out to Evan and Kevin. Yeah,
1: and Ben Prisoner. And
0: so, can we make it official that Ben's joining BC Endurance Project (laughs) if we have this? kind of
1: running joke you're not official until you're on like the weekly mileage document where everybody in the group you can see what they've run and he's on there now so
0: you guys have a weekly mileage document yeah i would have killed you guys in that (laughs) i don't
1: know i think the purpose is to kind of like make sure people are staying honest i'm sure some people would
0: probably get a little carried away oh i would have taken that way too far that was like the only when i was training i'm when i was training that was it i was like i'm gonna run more mileage than everyone else therefore i'm gonna get better but yeah, so he's on there. So he's we, on it. We got a good group, and I'll be hitting
1: the speed hard with uh, with CPT down in down in Flagstaff, and then uh, I'll run a three k on that uh, the BU track that Charles popped the thirteen thirty. I've heard that that's like it's the vapor flies of tracks. It, it, it yeah, exactly. It's the four percent of tracks. Like you go out there, it's like a trampoline. It just spins you around. I'll run a 3K there in the middle of February, and then I'll run a, a 5K on that track actually at the end of February. Oh, sweet, man. That's a good season. Yeah. So there's a group of Americans kind of setting it up to, like, some of them apparently are going after the Olympic standard. There's also a group going after the US Auto, which is 1325 so
0: jeez the americans have a hard standard <laughs> it's so funny like
1: yeah it, it'll anyways it'll be it'll be good i'll get in there give it all i got hopefully i can come away with uh with a fast time that sets me up well for outdoors
0: and get on the line exactly Just get on the line in houston
1: give her give her hell that's right
0: yeah awesome uh and so i guess that kind of sets the tone sets the sets the sets the scene of what's to come for you for the next little while but what else is going on, man? What are you What are you doing to keep busy outside the track? I know that obviously you're still here in Vancouver. You're working with BC Endurance Project. You're living with your girlfriend. What What's 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 keeping you busy? Coaching with Mile to Marathon. Coach, yeah,
1: coaching with Mile to Marathon. So uh, I've got uh, a couple, well, handful of athletes now. I think close to ten. Coach Luke. So if you shout outs to the people out there looking
0: for a coach, I'm your guy. But he, uh, he is. He is. I can vouch for him. Yeah, that's... that's well, I guess the... I guess when you're going for the Olympics, that's kind of what you do, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of times people talk about... I remember I would always say this to my own running. Like, oh, I need, you need balance. You need balance. And it's like, you know what? When you're going for the Olympics, you don't really... You, you, your balance is 90% running. <laughs> and then whatever time you have left.
1: Yeah, well, that's the nice thing about multi-marathon, obviously, because you, yourself and Dylan were... Our athletes were high-level athletes, so you kind of understand the demands of running, but at the same time, it allows us... A way to financially
0: support ourselves while we're continuing to train coaching is a lot easier than working in a running store
1: yes yeah it's a lot easier to sit on your couch and do workout plans as opposed to you know walk around the store but it's also it the thing with mouth marathon and coaching that's obviously i think really unique to our group is like the sense of community and i think that's like i look forward to going out to the practices on wednesdays and saturdays and and uh And the Tuesday nights as well and and just like interacting with the community and I think that it's one of those things when you're you know in the grind with training you can get kind of caught up with just being like a bit of a loner and I think Mm -hmm, that it's nice mm -hmm. to kind of have this refreshing thing where at the end of the day they're trying to achieve the same thing we are which is bettering themselves it's a little bit slower than what we're doing but at the same time it's you know it's motivating to be around these people that are trying to work hard as well so that's been uh, that's been a lot of fun
0: yeah something i really appreciate it right it's like running is we're all going through the same basic chemistry right we're all like you can go and run a mile as hard as you can they'll go run a mile as hard as they can like you're going to have a similar type of experience i mean you can push yourself probably harder but like with that lactic burn and that like when you finish you're completely done we we all share that it's just we share that at different speeds so i I love doing that i love doing that a mile to marathon i love every so often making people just really really you know get out of there
1: and I think that's it's it's one of those things too like running is a good way to to test your boundaries and mm-hmm. I think it's like a way for you to learn that and I think that you know teaching people that it's okay to be uncomfortable yeah and I think that's one of the things I've always kind of stressed to them is like it's, you know it's okay to hurt a little bit it doesn't mean you have to slow down it just means that you have to like
0: yeah manage, toughen up a little bit or like manage the, the effort it's, yeah. exactly yeah. it's always healthy, like manage it own it like don't avoid it own it when you get in that box It's gonna happen. You're not racing. You're not training to, you know, make it easy. So I love that. So there's our little there's our little mile to marathon shout out. You're welcome, Dylan. There we go. (laughs) Uh, So I guess uh, let's talk about some more just general running things because this is a running podcast. We got the Luke, but let's talk about running. Let's talk about what's going on in the Canadian scene. Uh, We talked earlier on about we were talking earlier on before the show started. So Canadian athletes of the year. I was thinking on the men's side we have Mo. On the women's side, we both agreed that uh, Gabriella. Yeah. I mean, she.
1: I feel like every time she raced, she ran. She ran a national record.
0: She ran a lot of Canadian records last that's, year.
1: That's uh, that's pretty intense to do. And it, and the thing was, the World Championships were like October, and she was running national records from the indoor season all the way through to the last race of the year, which I feel like that is some serious fitness for sure, but also, like, some serious mental strength because that can be hard to just kind of carry on the whole year. And a lot of travel. A lot of travel. Cont- like, she was running the Diamond, like, all, a lot of the Diamond Leagues, like, a lot of travel. That was seriously
0: impressive. This finishes off with a three fifty six. In the world championship that's final.
1: Nuts. Like, that's absolutely...
0: She took I mean, four seconds off the Canadian record in the 1500, beating Lynn Williams slash Kanuka's yeah. Canadian record. I remember I was, I was talking to Lynn last year because she's the she's the elite rep for the BMO Marathon. She's like, I think Gabrielle's going to take my record this year. She's yeah. like, I think it's time. Because there's been good 1500-meter runners in Canada for the past several years. Like, the women have really been running well, but Gabrielle is just next level. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she, she ran like 1440 five or something for the 5k right like. yeah, she's really good she's really 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 good i think ah cuz mo obviously has a world a world championship medal right you're third in the world but then you have gabriella doing what she did across all these events yeah i think the one knock on mo is that
1: they like with jerry's group they just don't race that often and i think i mean he ran under 13 minutes he broke 27 so he's the first Canadian to break 27 minutes for the 10k which is
0: so he was doing his own Canadian record spree and he won a bronze medal
1: but I think it's you know I would have been excited to see you know maybe he runs a 15 or a mile maybe he runs a 3k and see well, you
0: know he's got to increase that 1500 pb <laughs> gonna get bruce shade uh so we'll just say Moe's the men's athlete of the year Gabrielle is the female athlete of the year and uh the overall athlete of the year award goes to um Theo Theo Hunt. There you go. Good job, Theo. Set a PB in the half marathon at the uh, the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Is it
1: a PB if it's your first event ever? If it's first? your first time doing it? Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, I mean, literally, it's your personal best. I guess so. So you're, you're setting that benchmark. Are, are you telling people that you ran a PB? Say you ran a
1: 50K trail race tomorrow. You've never done it before. Yeah. Is that your PB? Yes. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, I think if, if people or are you going to tell people that it's your PB? If
0: people ask you what your PB is for the event, and you've yeah. only done it once, by default, that's your PB. Okay. Yeah. But
1: you're not walking around
0: saying, "Oh, I personal bested today." No. It's your first race. No, that'd be kind of knobby right? Be, yeah, it'd, 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 that'd be the context of it. Is that? Do you guys have you guys had that debate with Theo? No, 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 not at all. No, but um, yeah, that's a, that's funny though. That's a good point
1: but he is running the Houston half marathon which i feel like is a fast core. so he'll probably be running another pb soon
0: that was my first marathon in houston it's a, it is a fast half marathon it's very fast half, and you'll have his 4% shoes have you Luke cret run in the 4% shoes i have not yet to vapor or the next percents as they as they're doing now but i have a thoughts? pair Give me I have your a thoughts. pair
1: on the way coming so i can't comment but i feel like i feel like it's I personally I don't think there's a problem with them. I think at a certain point technology advances and we just kind of have to uh, adapt
0: adapt ex- to it. Adapted. I think
1: that like the recent study that came out in the New York Times or Nike responded by saying we're not returning more energy to the person than they're expending. So it's still like it's not you're literally not getting a better percent return once the shoe strikes. So I think that that you know at, at a certain point where the shoes are starting to I guess if they're giving you more energy or whatever, yeah, then, yeah that's right. then I can see that more of an issue. Like I remember those uh, swimsuits that they banned after 2008 because they were making people more buoyant. Like yeah. that's a artificial improvement mm-hmm. where I feel like these shoes are just, you know, they're better than other shoes. Therefore you're not losing as much as you maybe were yeah. in a different flat. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Like it seems like it's all they talk about on Twitter, like every week, like all the scientists, all the runners, and they seem, like, really divided. It's a hilarious like, divide. It's crazy because I feel like it's not – these guys aren't – I mean, I maybe some of them are taking steroids and they're doing the 4% and so they're just double whamming it. And they're just going, you know, full send to run fast. But
0: I think that, uh, like, it's just <laughs> – I'm just a, picturing someone taking steroids and be like, full send, steroids, go, uh, I should have said EPO because that's more what I meant.
1: But uh, – I, I don't know. Like, I, it's it's such a. I think the big thing is that like these other companies don't have mm. something that's equivalent yet. Therefore, everybody's saying that it's not fair. It's not fair. At the same time, it's okay. It's okay, Nike, you're doing a great job. But you know, they might as well just be saying New Balance, Saucony, Adidas. Like you guys are playing catch up until you yeah, showing yeah. it out. Because yeah,
0: I th- I think it's I think it's I think it's absolutely the best shoe that's ever been made like there's it's it's so good i mean i've had a few pair and i run in it and the fact of the, the fact of the matter is that they've just fine-tuned and engineered and made it such a good efficient shoe that's so dominant over every other shoe they changed the game completely just in like the way a racing flat came because i like i've run lots of marathons and there was never a time in a marathon where i've like my shoe feels heavy but there's been a lot of times where like my freaking legs feel like they're gonna fall off because they hurt so mad and with the 4%, or the next percent, it's just it's such a smooth, comfortable ride. And part of it is that foam they have, right? That foam. And it just doesn't beat up your legs nearly as much. And then you have the carbon plate and the shape of the shoe. So there's no denying that it is the best shoe ever made. And I think it's fair. I mean, everyone has access to it, so everyone can run in it. The thing that I don't like is people who don't acknowledge the role that the shoe plays in running faster, yeah. right? Like so say an athlete goes and runs an eight minute pb yeah there's probably probably five or six of those minutes are from hard work but you're also going to be getting free time because of that shoe like that shoe is making you faster accept that and move on yeah i think that's the uh, the funny thing and the <laughs> yeah it's just an ego
1: thing for some of these people i'm sure maybe they're more fit than they were before but I definitely think that like you say it, it definitely plays a role and it, it's one of those things too like maybe the shoe is not physically propelling you to a faster time but this, the foam the, the carbon plate is just allowing you for, to fatigue less and yeah. be fresher so at the, you know when you get to 35k or whatever point of the marathon you're hurting at you're just not nearly as tired as you have been in the past so you're able to kind of just keep on going yeah
0: and I, I I've run in a couple other brands carbon shoes and the vapor flies head and shoulders above for them too that's funny like i i haven't ran in them yet they're coming they're on
1: the way i'm gonna be out there marathon trials 2024 (laughs) they're gonna be like the eight percent by then but i have a pair of the pegasus turbos and they have the zoom x foam that foam's great i was doing tempo runs in those shoes uh you know through the winter last year and whatnot and they like they're they just save your legs, like you're, mm-hmm. you're like mm-hmm. they're obviously the Pegasus Turbo is not nearly as responsive as the the one with the carbon plate, but it's they're still light. The foam is like super soft
0: but still responsive, and you're just
1: like you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, when you're to throw on some super light flat. Well,
0: that's the thing. Anyone can throw a, anyone can throw a carbon plate and shoe. It's just it's the way the sh, the foam and the carbon plate interact with each other, and it's just like it's the perfect marriage of the technology. Because like I was saying, those other I've had other carbon plate shoes and they feel actually clunky because you want to build up the midsole to be able to give the carbon plate the crop proper like curve on it but it just it i mean in my opinion some of the other shoes have just felt clunky and i haven't really enjoyed them i want other comp i want other shoes to i want other companies to really increase their game i'm looking forward to the new balance one the Saucony one looks pretty good so we'll see how that comes along um speaking of 2024 marathon trials would you ever consider will you at some point you envision yourself maybe running a marathon
1: I feel like it
0: I, I mean f- I think last year you probably could when you and Evan were doing those temple runs on the seawall you were probably in shape to run a 63 minute half marathon yeah I felt like I like our paths were pretty similar up until the final two weeks
1: before he ran his race in Houston 62
0: was he 62 14
1: yeah like yeah Freaking good run which I felt like I probably would have been in that ballpark like Give or take thirty seconds mm-hmm. to a minute, um. But, but I, I, feel like, like, especially it's kind of something that I've like thought of a little more now with the shoes coming out and seeing guys like Trevor run so well. Um, it helps for the big boys. Helps Toronto, for the bigger. Like, it helps for the bigger guys. And I've like always been a bit of a heavier foot striker, so I think maybe getting a shoe like that that has a little bit more, a little bit more to it, and a little bit more spring to it might, uh, might, you know, help me a little bit. But I think it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's just like the natural progression of a distance runner. You kind of just like get older, maybe get a little slower, so you move up the distances. And I think, I think it uh, it would be exciting to at least see,
0: you know, give it goes it a really go. well, or
1: maybe it just absolutely hurts like no other. And I run three hours, and it sucks.
0: <laughs> well, you're gonna be a, well. That's the thing, right? You're, you're you're gonna be a lifelong runner, so you might as well at some point give it a go. Uh, and you got a good coach, and you got a good training group, so. It'll be good. Shout out in regards to that. Um, Trevor Hoffbauer, amazing run at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Is he going to join BSEP or what? Because he's going <laughs> to be down and he's going to be down and flag with you guys though, right? Yeah,
1: he'll be staying in flag with us. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, he obviously crushed it in Toronto. Um, massive PB under the Olympic center. Like, he's on the Olympic team. Yeah. So whatever he's doing is working. Uh, I would think at a certain point having some training partners does make a difference but i mean some of those guys uh you know trevor included can just be one of those uh guys that can ride solo and get it done by himself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but i'm sure like he'll be in flagstaff with us uh the marathon guys are going to be there for so he
0: can be a friend of bcep yes. yeah. just like
1: like cpt they can be the friends of bc bcp and they we uh i'm sure there'll be lots of workouts together and lots of yeah. runs together it's just uh uh
0: Yeah. Flagstaff's wicked. I wanna go back.
1: It's a good spot. It's it's one of those things like we were on the track this Mm -hmm. morning. It was like seven degrees pouring rain. We were actually running in lane two because lane one was flooded. You're looking down to Flagstaff in Sedona, the weather's like between ten and fifteen degrees, like sun is you know, as far as the calendar, the weather app shows you.
0: What'd you go? Where'd you go on
1: your workout today? Uh so we did a three K and I ran eight forty nine, Evan and I ran together. Uh, they were doing a famous workout, the anti bow. Uh, so it's a 3k. You do three by one k, then a two k, mm-hmm. five by 400. It's a good 10k workout. So I ran 3k with Evan. We ran 8:49. We ran 3k and I chased the guys. I ran three 245s, and then uh, I spiked up and I ran three 600s and three 400s, uh, and they were like 134, 135, and then like 62 down to 60. But it it's <laughs> a good chunk of work. It was a good chunk of work, but uh, let me tell you, like trying to run fast in like pouring rain at 7 degrees feels like ass. Like you like it, the pace that we we're running on the 3k to the pace we we're running on the 400, like it all felt the same, like it all. Just, you can't really feel your legs, they're frozen, they're cold. You water, track, dirt everywhere. It was a good session, like it still went well, but at the same time, like I was like, I had Sedona in the back of my head, like, <laughs> thinking how nice it would be to have the sun shining down, like 15 degrees, and and. Uh, you gotta
0: get that grit.
1: Gotta earn the grit, though. No. That's that's what it was. It was definitely a mental workout getting it done.
0: Yeah, I did five by a mile today. Averaged under five minutes a mile. So mm-hmm. watch He's out. On the comeback. Watch out for old balls, Watson. Here. Wait, gonna... we
1: haven't we haven't talked about your running at all. What's no. you got? Anything on the schedule? My
0: running's uneventful. I'm gonna run the Boston Marathon. Um. I'm gonna to try to go under two twenty in Boston. That's pretty much it.
1: Hopefully, like, you don't get one of those days in Boston yeah. where it's like,
0: yeah, super cold and. When yeah. I ran Boston, it was the most fun I've ever had in a race, and I want to go back. And but yeah, you never know what the weather in Boston. Right. I so. feel like they get it.
1: They get it on both ends. Like it could be a really warm day, or it could be, you know, super cold and like thrashing rain and wind.
0: And that's the thing with the marathon, man. Like Toronto this year had a perfect day. Um the, the people who were there—they're saying like there was the best weather they ever had for a race, and Hoff took advantage of that. Dana took advantage of that. Shout out to Dana, great run there. Um But yeah, Boston is just something about it. But it, I just—I'm super excited to just work hard in, yep. in my own relative where I'm at with my life. Work hard right now, and, and go give her a go. I want to get down to like you know 66 minute half marathon shape for the first half here in Vancouver. That'd be nice, 66 to 67. And then go try to run a 220 marathon. And I, you know what? I've said that lots. I think ever since I've retired, I'm like, I'm going to run 220 one more time. I'm going to run 220 one more time. So I actually got to put in the work to run 220. That would be
1: fun, though. I think it's one of those things, too, going to a, a race like that. You just get, like, the adrenaline of being there in, like, one of the biggest races in the world. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be lots of American guys kind of at that 220 where you can just...
0: It'll be weird, though, because... The American, it's right after the American Trials, right? right. So I mean, I think there's a few Canadian guys going down there, and it'll be awesome because there's a ton of mile marathon athletes going. Um, gonna take the wife down, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the field fills out because often they do have a lot of Americans there, but with the American Trials happening in February, I don't see a lot of people coming back for the for Boston. Yeah, because the guys who make the Olympics are obviously gonna be focused on the Olympics the guys who miss are probably going to be fried from the the guys who miss are going to be physically and mentally a little bit fried from training for the trials and then not making the team and then trying to rebound right so who knows well hopefully there are a bunch of the 220 219 218 guys cuz those are the guys i need to yeah. run with so
1: i feel like they always have uh deep pockets for americans so. and it's
0: boston yeah. yeah it's and i saw Des is going to double. Des Linden, she's going to do the, the Boston Trials double. Man, so that's crazy. Yeah, hopefully yeah. she sets the standard for other people to do it. Um, so That'd be great. So, yeah, I guess that kind of just like reintroduces, introducing you to the the Luke Boucher saga, as will be the theme. And we're just going to follow around and try to put out a pod every week, Uh, maybe every two weeks. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, just gotta keep you in, a, keep you in line. We're looking forward to following the journey. Um, do we need any shout-outs right now? Who 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 are you being supported by? Not enough, not enough. Nobody. People. Wow, it's a marathon. <laughs> well, we just got you some nice. Yeah, <laughs> l- my parents. No. We got you some nice Lululemon gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean
1: you've been a uh, huge help, kind of getting this decked out in gear with uh, with Lululemon. Shout out their...
0: to Lululemon. Their running game is increasing. It's, yeah, no, the stuff's awesome. Big looks time. Great.
1: And the I gotta say the fast and free, the new short. That is a, it's a killer short. It's awesome. And, uh, I feel like we should say though, with the podcast, it's coming. We're doing the Luke Boucher saga, but we're also going to have, uh, mm. some guests on. Like we're going to get, uh, we're hopefully going to get the, uh, the big fish, the mystery man, Richard Lee on here, coach rich. Uh, we'll get some training partners on. We'll try and get, uh, get my lady on and, and, you know, see what the perspectives like from people that yep. have, you know, been around the block been training with me for a little while or
0: kind of, give you a perspective of what it's like to live with an olympian because it's uh i think it's pretty cool i'm a cool guy i got—I think you're a cool guy yeah and i think i think it's important to know like yeah it's running's an running's an individual sport when you're out there on the track but behind the scenes there's a lot more moving parts than people may realize and that's including you know your parents your brother your your ally your girlfriend uh, training partners, so yeah, I mean I think it, it'll be fun to ch- chat through it b- try to bring on as many guests as we can You know we'll get CPT back on here Maybe we'll try to get some of these ladies who are who are also kicking ass because the Canadian women are showing up uh, So there's a lot of there's a lot of Excellent runners out there. There's a lot going on. It's an Olympic year So let's uh, let's have a little fun. Let's share your journey and let's uh let's do this man, so uh We need a sign off you need a sign off phrase need a sign-off phrase yeah you always say respect your parents that's my sign-off phrase what's your sign-off phrase gonna be you have about four seconds to yes. uh, all right that's what you're going with because like this is the first episode and this is what this is it that's it yes. all right <laughs> respect your parents <laughs>